enjoy my insane rants about leftist causes, Midwestern witchcraft, the ascendancy of Skynet, and why neo-paganism is vastly overrated. I've got guests, music, comedy, and old Alan Watts lectures from the 70s. How can you resist? You can't. I put a spell on you. Ah! MutinyRadio.fm is an official shrine of the miraculous garlic of Mount Cavalry. We are not associated with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, except on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Hope to see you there. When you hear the Japanese Bjork Kope, you know that it's time. What time is that? It's time for the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I will soon be joined by my co-host, Trina Roderick, special co-host today. My real co-host, Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. As you know, she is somewhere in an Uber, somewhere in San Francisco. Uh, They're both on their way. Trina's bringing in and out because she is a champion. And I mean, I love in and out. There's a lot of um, completely unsolvable problems in San Francisco. Um, We've talked about the opiate crisis. We've talked about um, the homelessness epidemic, the 7,500 questionably housed in San Francisco. Um, You know, we've, we've talked about just rampant opiate use on the street uh yesterday a man was guarding his pee uh, valiantly so much integrity saying i just peed here don't step in it thank you i just i felt like wow what kind of problems we have you know such huge problems there's only one in and out in san francisco this is a problem this is probably the only problem that we can do something about Join me. Join me in my fight for change. Because the only thing we can change in this city is how many in and outs there are. There's only one in and out. What is wrong with that? We could have more in and outs. There are 11 districts. There should be 11 in and outs. Join my fight. Make a difference. What kind of happiness and joy will this bring San Francisco? It is astronomical. The happiness, the, the unicorn sparkles that are brought to my life from a simple In-N-Out burger. Come on, San Francisco, let's change. Let's not just have the one In-N-Out at Zavoth for the tourists on the Segway. I am on the Segway and that is Zavoth. There's no drive-through there, but still, that is our one, our one In-N-Out is for the tourists? How dare you, San Francisco? Let's make a change together. Jump on board and I say, write your district, write your representative and say, 11 districts, 11 in and outs. You know, right next to 850 Bryant, there used to be a McDonald's. It's been closed for four years now, coming on four years. Why is that not an in and out? There's a drive-through, the 27 goes by. It's right next to the court. It's right next to the jail. I say, when you get out of jail, you get a free burger from in and out Come on, in and out Let's get it together. Got to go to Daly City. Hey, you know what? I don't have a car. Now we're... The, the city of Muni, the city of public transportation, is now penalizing me for not having a car to have to drive all the way to Daly City or to deep, deep Oakland or all the way up to Pinole to get in and out? 
I didn't mean for the beginning of the AltaCast to be an advertisement for in and out but Trina is bringing it. Welcome to the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. Thanks for listening and subscribing on iTunes or just going to our website and downloading it. Yay! Uh, when my people get here today, we will... My people let my people go. And what I mean by that is women. Oh, this week's been such a big week in feminism. Me too. Me too. I'm a victim too. We're going to talk about that, that victimization. Hey, how about every single woman since the beginning of time has been victimized because misogyny is rampant in our sociological system and women still don't get any power or privilege for being able to be the ones that have babies? I'm sorry. It freaks men so out, so much, that we're powerful enough to create life. But really, we have to be under your you for the rest of our lives we have to be what is our worth how much women used to be pieces of property that would be shuttled around between men and so now when we say things holy fuck what are we gonna do now they know how to read this pam benjamin thinks she's a philosopher oh no she's too cute she's a cute little girl you can't she can't be intelligent trina and i have had this discussion she'll be here today it's hard being cute no one takes you seriously. All I've ever wanted in my life is for people to think that I'm an intelligent human being with things to say of meaning. And yet I'm constantly just denigrated into something like a pussy. Oh, you gotta. And you know what? I do my kegels to keep my pussy tight. Thank you very much. Anyway, to, to share with my wonderful boyfriend. What a dumb thing. What says another thing about feminism. So unless you're married and you're a wife and you're a husband, if you choose not to get married because it's a stupid institution anyways, unless you buy a house and want to have tax refunds, because I've been married, I'm never going to marry my wonderful boyfriend. He's an amazing human being, and we have a great relationship because we're not financially dependent upon one another. We're not codependent in all these different ways. You know, I'm not beholden to him in any way financially, and I never want to be. So marriage, poof. But here's the thing. I have a boyfriend, so you're going to infantilize him? I'm his girlfriend. I'm a 43-year-old woman, and you're infantilizing my relationship with my wonderful life partner? That sounds lame. That, you know, life partner. I mean, what do we call him? Why do we have to infantilize any other relationship other than marriage? That saddens me. I think that language is political, and it starts right there. I'm a human. I'm a person. I'm a female. You don't think that language is political? You don't think that constantly comparing us or calling us men or derivatives of men or putting a suffix or a prefix on a word saying that that's what we are? You don't think that's subjugating in any way? Really? I think a lot about feminism, you know, because I'm a lady. And the song playing right now is yogurt, which I've heard if you put in your pussy, it makes the yeast infection go away. I haven't had yeast infections in a long time. That's good. Didn't mean to get there so quickly with you guys on the AltaCast, but my co-hosts of the day are not here yet. So we will get to the Drug Policy Alliance Minute. Hey, everybody, they now have their own podcast because they thought mine was too inappropriate. I don't know. They didn't. I don't think they listened to it. But anyways, they have their new podcast now, which you should listen to because they're amazing. Uh, This is a press release. Um... There's what's happening October 27th in Seattle, groundbreaking symposium on psychedelics and end-of-life care. She's here. It's true. I think it's Trina, or it could be LaToya, one of the two. We'll see. Uh, This is 
Oh, nope, he left his kid here. Ha ha. Uh, earlier today, we had the Nomad kids come in, and I'm so glad that you came in right after I was swearing. Hey, have a great day, buddy. Uh, so every 10.30 to 11.30 on Wednesdays and 1.30 to 2.30 on Thursdays, Nomad's going to be in here. They're uh, 8 to 13 years of age, I believe, and they're running their own new podcast. So that's exciting to listen to. They did a great job today, and it was their first day. I just threw them into the fire. All right. Leaders in this is very interesting. Groundbreaking symposium on psychedelics and end of life care. I'm like, wow, cool. Yeah. Leaders in palliative care, psychedelic research and drug law reform to present at psychedelic medicine, new frontiers in palliative care. Speakers include Rick Doblin, Ethan Nadelman and Catherine Tucker, as well as elected officials, doctors, scientists, attorneys and ethicists. Contact Jag Davies, 212-613-8035. Exciting new research is revealing that psychedelic drugs such as psilocybin, LSD, and MDMA may offer significant benefits for patients struggling at end of life and those beset by major depression and treatment-resistant post-traumatic stress. On Friday, October 27th, the first-of-its-kind symposium will be held at the University of Washington School of Law, bringing together doctors, scientific researchers, attorneys, and ethicists. The, speaker will the speakers will continue consider the medical, legal, and ethical implications of emerging research on psychedelics and end-of-care end-of-life care. They will also center the discussion around the shifting policies and priorities of our state and federal drug laws. This symposium is co-organized by the Drug Policy Alliance, the End-of-Life Liberty Project, and the Center for Law, Science, and Global Health at the University of Washington School of Law. Speakers include MAPS Executive Director Rick Doblin, End-of-Life Liberty Project Executor, Executive Director Catherine Tucker, former DPA Executive Director Ethan Nadelman, Professor and Author Ingrid Walker, Washington State Representative Roger Goodman, and many more. The Psychedelic Medicine New Frontiers in Palliative Care will be Friday, October 27th, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the University of Washington School of Law, William H. Gates Hall in Seattle. The symposium's agenda includes the following panel and presentation. Overview of developments in law and medicine governing end-of-life care. Panel discussion with end-of-life care providers. How is patient care decision-making changed as a result of the movement for death with dignity? Who has benefited and who has been left behind? History of psychedelic substances in medicine. What's the latest psychedelic research telling us? Lunchtime Talks by Ethan Nadelman and Kenneth Tupper, Regulatory Pathways to Patient Access, The Medicinal Marijuana Experience, Legal, Political, and Advocacy Parallels for Medicinal Psychedelics, Pathways Forward, Legal, Social, and Ethical Challenges and Opportunities. Those planning to attend the symposium are encouraged to register immediately as space is limited. Okay, well, that's awesome. Hey, what you might not know is that marijuana is a psychedelic drug. It's psychoactive. And it has been, you know, a Schedule One drug for so long on our federal scale. And that's, and that's, it's silly. Why are we, why are we criminalizing and demonizing psychedelic drugs? And especially for end-of-life care. I'm very interested in that, that um, smoking a doobie can give you some perspective on like God and the universe and stuff and death. You know, like if you're, you have terrible cancer and, um, and you take some shrooms, you know, and you figure it out. I mean, who knows what you figure out? 
I mean, I, I haven't taken acid in a long time because I took so much in college. And it just freaks me out now. My, my system is very, as I've learned over time, I have a very delicate system. And I used to take lots of drugs. Uh, you know, but just acid and stuff and, and shrooms and I mean, I've never like, I've told you guys about my small foray into methamphetamines, which was awful and uh, a little larger foray into cocaine, but no more of that stuff. It just ruins me. I, but, and those, cocaine is technically an analgesic, which is very interesting. Uh, and our buddy Freud did a lot of that. That's why he really hated women. Am I right? Was it just that he was ugly? Is that why he came up with all those horrible things about women? He just couldn't get laid. And he's like, well, women, when they want to masturbate, if they, if they have clitoral stimulation, that's, that's childish. It's infantile. Only, only internal orgasms are, are, uh, you know, grown for grown up ladies. Crazy times, everybody, crazy times we've been living through. And that was only I don't know, 120 years ago, something like that. Uh, I'm. It's a. It's a. It's a terrible. It's a crazy. It's a crazy, crazy world, everyone. Uh, harm reduction. Blah 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 blah. Let's. Did we meet her last week? No. We're. Let's sit down and, and meet our new drug policy alliance oh nope that's the that's their own stuff drugs and stuff is their new podcast uh so that's it's great that they did one maybe i don't have to do their stuff anymore but i still love talking about um drug reform i think it's important all right that was the drug policy alliance minute thanks drug policy alliance moving on to gnarl oh boy Yes, our reproductive systems are under attack. Oh, there she is. It's Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth. Holding the burden of all women upon her. She's so, are you okay? What's going on? She has... I have no identity. She has no identity. I, lo- I lost my wallet last week. Oh, my God. my ID, and I think my social was in there. Oh, no. And so... I only have a passport, and I went to the Social Security office, and it's closed on Wednesdays at noon. No way. Yeah. You have no identity. I just have a passport. Do you think that they're stealing it? You you can make that thing smaller, I think, because you're far away from the mic. Just press on the little foot thing or... There we go. That's a little closer. Yeah, so it sucks. I have expired IDs. Oh, and that... Well, that doesn't help a lot. Yeah, it doesn't help. Wow. that's one of the reasons why I was late. Yeah. So, <laughs> was your wallet stolen, or did you? Was is in I the back it, of a lift? I think I either left it between. Har- I was dancing at Harley Strictly. Oh no! At that stupid silent disco. No. And, uh, and then I remember taking a lift, and I think it's either between here or there, but it's gone. That was last week. Oh, and that's so, so rough. Yeah. It's so. I'm so glad you had your passport. Yeah. So first world problems. Well, and it gets expensive too, because and it's impossible to go to the DMV and get a. <gasps> I mean, it's. Can you? You can't get it in the mail, can you? Uh no, I especially I because I'm just I'm not renewing. I'm just trying to replace. But yeah. Right. Damn it! I have to go to the bathroom now. All this. Yeah, no, 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 no. Pee. Do it, do it, do I'll it. Be right I'll be back. Yeah, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll talk about I'll do the gnarl thing and then we'll just get started with the with all the. Hey, but you know what's exciting is Trina is bringing us in and out. What? Yeah, I know. I already did the whole. I already did my whole in and out joke. I already did all, <laughs> the first four minutes are like a commercial for in and out. 
for real. Yeah. Well, I'm. That was a poop joke. Yeah. <laughs> keeping it, keeping it simple here on the. What is it? What show are we doing? We're on the AltaCast. We are on the AltaCast. Let's look at the news today, guys. Trump's obsession with what's happening in our bedrooms robs women of our basic dignity. Oh, oh, you know what to say? Uh, here we go. Today, or this was actually last week, uh, the Trump administration implemented a plan that allows employers, for any reason, to deny their employees coverage for birth control. This decimates the Affordable Care Act's birth control benefit, which saves women an estimated $1.4 billion a year. Since the birth control benefit was implemented... The United States abortion rate hit its lowest point since the passage of Roe v. Wade. This is insane. NARL President Elise Hoag issued the following statement in response. Quote, Donald Trump's latest dictate is a perfect execution of his passions, controlling women and robbing people of health care. At a time when the nation is grappling with a very severe problem from healing after the worst mass shooting in modern American history to devastation in Puerto Rico, leaving millions of Americans without electricity or safe drinking water. The fact that our president decides to spend his time and energy meddling with women's birth control speaks volumes. Coming on the heels of the abortion ban and the failure to reauthorize CHIP this week, this action by Trump administration reminds us that the anti-choice GOP is trying to impose a radical worldview on the country. In their world, women should not be able to prevent pregnancy, choose an abortion, or have support in raising families. Birth control is key to our ability to stay healthy, take care of our planned families, and contribute to our communities and society. All things that this GOP apparently stands in opposition to. Oh my goodness. The war on our uteruses. Be, just be over there. You can all be over there because this, this one's a weird one. So I already did our whole ad for In-N-Out. Thank you so much. You're a goddess, Trina Roderick, coming in here. Dude, being. I love In-N-Out. You have no idea. So do I. And love it. it what, were, you, were you down at Zavolf or were you in Daly City? I went to Daly City. You went all the way to Daly City. Well, it, was the, it was the fastest. It was going to take, I looked it up on maps, and it was going to take me 20 minutes to get to the one in San Francisco and 16 minutes to get to Daly City. So wow. City. Gotcha. The only That's... problem is Daly City usually has a really crazy line, and I got really lucky. I got really lucky that there wasn't much of a line. Where's the, where's the one here in SF? It is at Zavolf, and there is no drive through. Oh. It's for the tourists. It's for the German tourists on the Segway. <laughs> That's, sorry, that was Swedish. It's, it's for the fucking tourists. It's not even for us in San Francisco. That's why yeah, my whole exactly. beginning rant of four minutes is about all the things we can't change. We've got the government in our uterus. We've got we're, we've got Me Too problems. We've got an opiate crisis. We have homelessness of 7,500 people. Mental and illness. we only have yeah. one in and out in the city proper. Of all these problems, the only thing that can be solved is that exactly. we can have more in and out. People just want to eat a nice burger, man. I really think that San Francisco deserves a nice bur- uh, and not just multiple, the tourists multiple several, several. one in every neighborhood hello 11 <laughs> districts 11 exactly. in and outs I'm so glad you guys are on the team for more in and outs totally, totally. let's so. finally affect some change that we can because we're going to sit here and talk all a day all today about how we're not real people anymore because we're women and there's right. a huge Ooh, government yes. policy there's a mm-hmm. policy being put in place to control our uteruses because that truly controls us okay, first if we can't fuck we can't all we can how are we supposed to be okay. people first of all no going back to what the gnarl stuff Okay, so I, I remember reading about this last week about how they're uh, basically they're uh, 
uh, trying to take birth control, giving, you know, you're not forced to, employers aren't right. forced, yeah, to get birth control too. First of all, doesn't birth control prevent abortions? Well, here's the thing about birth control. I mean, it does right. lots of things. Not only does it suppress ovulation, for a lot of people, now I was on it for many years because I grow um, benign ovarian cysts. Right, right. And so my eggs don't fully release and then they, some of them don't fully release and then they hang out on the side of my ovary and then they become teeth and hair. They, basically, right. they're these dermoid cysts that I create in my body and because And it's genetic I'm magic. for you because your grandmother had it, correct? Exactly. Yes. So I was put on birth control for years for literally for medical because not for sex you not guys not for sex just for medical mm-hmm. and but what they're saying is that we're not people that that are taking care of ourselves is not they don't have to pay for that like we should pay yeah, to I keep ourselves i mean i viagra is still covered everyone first of all viagra is right. covered but birth control isn't birth control is expensive if you are just buying it just like market rate it's mm-hmm. expensive if you're not you know if you if you don't go to a planned parenthood or if you don't have health insurance or what have you within your employer it is if you even if you are middle class it's still pretty pricey especially depending on what kind of birth control you need how much estrogen you need so i mean you can't just willy-nilly just pick any kind of birth control you need one that suits your body and it's not cheap i don't understand and plus don't you want to prevent abortions isn't that the whole point of it for patients not covered by health care birth control pills typically cost 20 to 50 dollars a month for patients covered by insurance out-of-pocket costs typically consist of a prescription drug copay now so, that's a month now a month. there's 12 there's 12 months it's six thousand dollars a year <laughs> that's well, not cheap yeah it's six thousand yeah, dollars we year. could use this as an opportunity. six hundred dollars i'm sorry six hundred dollars a year let's I, I think we could use this as an opportunity to uh shut it down altogether and just women should stop fucking guys that haven't had a vasectomy Oh, I like the fact Why that is go it back our problem at all? <laughs> okay, but here's the here's here's the problem with here's the problem where we okay. we go back to this is and I've taught I've taught high school girls. Um, the problem is that we're teaching our oh. children that the only way to uh, we're, there's a lot of children that are growing up in homes where they're not feeling a lot of love, mm-hmm. and so when they're in their early teens. And all yes. the movies and everything they learn right. says that a man will love me if I'm sexy enough. Right. And then you've got young boys pressuring girls to have sex and saying, oh, we're going to have this relationship, but it's not. Or So we're teaching, we're having young women with no self-esteem that are taught that if a person, you're not important unless a man loves you just willy-nilly having sex and every single boy wants to have sex all right. the time and they're not right. responsible enough to be absolutely you have to grown, do anything you have and grown ass like, men who aren't really responsible enough in their 20s 30s 40s 50s who aren't responsible enough to take care of a child and plus by the way they're also reversing back uh, or going back to the abstinence program that george <sighs> w in, um, uh, installed um in the early 2000s uh to high school students which again when that happened the uh pregnancy rate went up when obama came into office he reversed that to uh teach regular sex education in schools right there i mean that's the point of having such education you need the education to prevent these things and we need to scare boys 
into wearing fucking condoms because they yeah. won't do it. You I know why they won't do it? Up. Because they're selfish little assholes. And they're like, my dick doesn't feel good unless there's no condom. Meow, meow, that meow. Never, that never goes away, by the way. It never, it never goes, goes away. away. No, no, no. <laughs> what? Never. No, it never I, goes away. <laughs> I hate a condom. I'm not fucking with a condom. That's why I don't have unprotected, like, random sex is because I hate condoms. I've had too much sex without condoms in order to go back to that. So I would personally... Rather, I think what we, I think it might be possible that what we need to do is kind of go back to a like more romantic, more um, sort of slow down the approach to relationships and sex we have. Yeah. And I think that the sex ed should include a psychological component because we're absolutely. And we could teach a lot more psychology in school. In fact, well, we could teach a lot, a lot of... But the problem is the media that they consume. The problem is that children consume rampant media now. And they're getting ideas about relationships and about sociology and about how they fit into the world. And what we're teaching them and what we've always taught them is that women are only good if they're beautiful and skinny and silent. fat ass. (laughs) That women are... that, That African American women are too loud and they are yep. too sassy and they aren't and you're being all this way We're too or, sexual too and, supposedly. Right, so there's these but there's these sociological tropes that are put on us through our rampantly consumed media which nobody's acknowledging right at all and I went I went on the, the rant last week about fucking fat ass Vince Vaughn and how yeah. uh, so how what are the what do all these why do men in their late 20s who are still living with their moms and don't work out and do all these drugs why do they think that they deserve a woman who's been to college who can take care of herself who's worked hard because they watch these movies where these schlubby guys get these gorgeous girls and they go well that's what we all deserve and it's like you lazy piece of shit I'm supposed to work out I'm supposed to do crunches and dye my hair and wear fake eyelashes and do all this shit because you need a pretty lady and I'm ratchet if I don't do it entitled to Right, and so that's what happens to me a lot. I get hit on by guys who have no chance whatsoever. No business. Primarily as a result of their looks and because I don't find them to be physically attractive. Like they're fat or just... And and, and the thing that kills me about those guys... Hold on one second. Yeah, go ahead. The thing that kills me about those guys is for every... Let's say they're a five. For every five guy that's a five, I think I'm like a seven. I don't mean to be. I think you're. I used to be an eight. I used to be an eight, but I'm. I'm. Look, anyway. Okay, well, number whatever. Okay. Do you have Botox? You have no forehead wrinkles. Has it just been like really good? Yeah, you're trying to make them, but you you. Well, not when I'm not. You you belie you belie your age. You're a nine. But here's the thing. Uh, For every what what, these guys are not going to tell you. Is that for every? Wait, I'm sorry. So for excited. every, for every one of them, they're rejecting all the fives and the f- women yeah. who are fives and fours and three. There are plenty of women who are just as heavy, who are just as attractive that they could fuck, but they right. think that they're entitled to more, right. and so they get pissed off at me because I am denying them an, an entitlement when they are doing the same thing. To other women, right, and <gasps> fuck them, yeah. right. I They're feel doing... not at all sorry for them. No, I don't feel sorry because for them either. Oh, I feel more sort of like em- I-, I empathize with the-, the women that they're rejecting, and then they're just totally fucking oblivious to it and right. acting like. Anyway, sorry. like they're so great, and right. it make it makes me crazy when I'm not gonna wear a red. I'm not gonna wear a t-shirt that says. 
I have multiple master's degrees and I like I'm not gonna sit here and be like you know, I can brag. do I can do 50 minutes of comedy I also look much better with makeup like I don't I don't like wear these I don't it's you're uh, not you're not advertising it you're not bragging about it because brag being braggadocious about it is very unattractive anyway that is not a, but that. we're not allowed to do it anyway we're not, we're not allowed to do it it's unless you know but, but you the thing is it, when we're looking at the scale i'm like i'm the same way as trina trina's a fucking lawyer and has a master's degree she's amazing like a philosopher we're like modern day philosophers in here the three of us and when we look and we're all really good looking so i'm sorry radio uh, yeah, you can't see mm-hmm. us but we're all really really good True. looking uh, ridiculously ridiculous good, good looking unbelievable and we're smart and we're smart and, but, we, but, and, and we like to fuck but that's the thing about terms. being smart they don't want smart women no they so, don't but it's I intimidating don't, it is and, but I don't I, so this is funny I used to have um, my boyfriend of a couple years and I love him desperately as a person but I just stopped being physically attracted to him because he was older than me and he wasn't working out and he has a pretty big belly and I remember talking to Paul Sanford years ago and he said well why are you doing it I said I said Paul I deserve to have a hot young skater yep. boyfriend this is what I deserve I have two master's degrees and I left my husband I deserve the hot guy now yep. Yep. and like two weeks, two weeks after I said that I met Jonathan and I have Amen. my hot boyfriend Aww. so yeah like why do I date someone who's 11 years younger than me? Because he's fucking hot. Because she cares. I mean, and not just because, he's also intelligent and wonderful and he loves me and it's great. And I, I, I do like the fact that now, especially um, women, especially who are older, who are going for younger guys, if, I, if nothing works out between my relationship, I'll do the same goddamn thing. I mean, because, you know, because it's not acceptable to a society, but when it's the other way around, you know, it's like, oh, he's a silver fox. And look at him. He's yes. got that younger him, broad. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've been the younger broad before with the silver fox. And as I get older, if things don't work out in my relationship, I'm going to go the other path to right. you. Absolutely. Where I'm like, I don't mind di- dating someone that was born in 1992. <laughs> but I won't do it right now, though, because that's too young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, it, I mean, the, it, the fact of the matter, like, this the whole... I, There's a double standard. There, there, yeah, the double standard. Right, yeah, right. but and now it's really... Now, I mean, we're going back to reversing birth control. Yeah, at yeah. Ju- I mean, we're, now we're going barbaric. We're gonna, well, we're going to stop teaching women to read. That's the thing, that's is the that next, we... Yeah. It's right. the next, next step. The, yeah. Next is, is the that, vote. Oh, oh no, I... you. Oh no! You gave us the ability to to make ourselves intelligent and to understand things in a larger perspective. Oh no! We're I gonna read be okay. We're gonna keep We're moving gonna forward. I'm yeah. no because be, I mean because well, there's women like me who realize I can't succeed in my career. I have to I have to sacrifice my career in order to. I mean, and I don't mean this as any kind of. I mean, it's it's almost worthless. I mean, it 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 was a lie that I can actually succeed in my career. Mm-hmm. So. I need to instead devote my career to, like, saying the things I need to say to make the changes that need to be made so that I could have a successful Get career. Get on your sucks soapbox. I knew. Well, that's I, my podcast. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's your soapbox. So yesterday I talked <clears throat> about, um, like, Mark Darcy and Pride and Prejudice. Well, I actually oh, have, no. I didn't talk about Mark Darcy, but I'm going to start talking about Mark Darcy. The character. Because what I love about that story is that is the female fantasy. He chooses her because of who she is as a person, not based on her looks, not based on her wealth, not her based on her nothing family. else. Exactly. Yeah, he, that's the female fantasy is that we get cho- chosen and have a partner who appreciates us for who we are as people, not right. who we, what we are as an object to them. 
Yeah, which is which is and that's so funny because that's what romance is all about. Is like it's so funny because it's yeah. I don't like romance because I'm afraid of it and I don't think it's real. Well, Jonathan is very romantic in his own special way and he really did bring out the romance last week for the birthday. He really oh, that's gave sweet. me the sweetest birthday gifts. It's, like it's, really he really paid attention to like see, that's yeah. who I am as a person and he like appreciates, he appreciates me. Appreciates great. He's great. Kisses your feet. Right. He does. He yeah. rubs my he feet rub all the time. Feet like Jesus. He rubs my feet all the time. Actually, <laughs> he rubs my hands. Like I'll just we'll be on the bus and I'll just like stick my hand in his lap and he knows he has to rub my hands cuz my hands get tired cuz I do so much on the yeah. computer. That young man knows what he's doing. No, he's great. Yeah. He's really great. Maybe people should learn after that shit. Well, and older dudes he takes care of himself. He likes skateboard. He eats shitty food, but he takes care of himself. He looks great naked. Like he skateboards. He's in really great shape. And not that that's everything, but I mean, I have to be honest. I knew him for a couple weeks before I was like, hey, we were hanging out on the back patio of Benders and it was kind of hot one day. It was getting to be June. And one day he took his brown shirt off and he was wearing a wife beater. And I was like, I was like, who is that guy over there? I just and saw everyone's like, that's Jonathan. You've you've met Jonathan like five times, and I'm like, I have. And I like got up and I like do 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 do, and I like went and sat next to him, and I was like, hello. And I just like started talking to him, and it took like two weeks, and he's like, I had a really big crush on you, and that's why I kept hanging out back here, and blah blah. And I was like, I can't believe that's happening. So, anyways, it was really hey. exciting. But that the first exciting. thing, that and it's special, and it's unique, and it's yeah. usually full of pain and misery. And I'm Absolutely. into you and you're it's not real. into me. That's why. It's real. Oh, I hate that that whole stuff. Like you're into. I used to have a problem where I'd I date somebody because they fulfilled kind of my needs, but I wasn't really attracted to them. Right. And then I'd like yeah. have a side piece that was totally not into me, who I would just like pine after and write poetry about. Girl, at least you had a side piece. Yeah, you had something on the side. You're like, well, I don't feel like fucking with you today, so I'm gonna call so and so. Yeah, but this, <laughs> but the side piece was more like I was like a, I was a nothing. Like I was just like begging for his attention. So it was a weird dichotomy uh, that I set up for myself, yeah. where like Ooh. I was clambering after this person who was really he didn't even exist because we only hung out when we were both really wasted. Right. We never hung out sober. And the mystery of this person. No, I think that's yeah. really common for people to do because that's the thing. We all have at least one person who wants us, even if we don't want them. I don't care what number you are. There's somebody out there who wants a piece of you and you don't want to give that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but why does everything have to do with sex? I honestly am not that sex-centric in my life. Like, I'm really not. Maybe because it's ubiquitous it's, whenever I want it. It's now like I'm our like, form eh. of hunting because we're mammals. It's our form of hunting. We can't eat each other. So, I mean, you shouldn't, but... Because <laughs> it feels good it's, and it's, we... Yeah, like it's the, the hunt it of that chase. It feels fucking awesome. Yeah. I would rather... I don't like the game, though. I don't like the game that comes with it. Right. The chases... And the shame. I don't like the yeah, shame. The, but, oh, yeah, the shame. Mm, see, the egg all over uh, the face. I would Ugh, rather I got some stories eat, there. Mm. I would rather eat at Thomas Keller's French Laundry or Per Se once a month than have sex every day of the month. I would I rather the eat. No way. I would no. love, I would be willing. <laughs> oh my my no afternoon way. delight. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would be willing to forego the sex because for me, the food is that's almost your, that's as your sensuous okay, okay. and experience. Well, you, can we have a real sex talk or, or would you Yeah, we, it does matter to me. So we have do. you ever had a clitoral orgasm during All the sex? time. 
Really? Yeah, I, oh, all the time. Because when I first started masturbating when I was four or five, I only did clitoral that's fairly unusual, stimulation. That's cool. You special. Yeah. Well, I figured it out. So this is funny. When I was in kindergarten, I got in trouble, and I, my parents got called into the office because I was masturbating in class. But I was four years old, and I was in You're a Christian. Curious. I was in a Christian kindergarten, and yeah. I guess whenever I felt uncomfortable, I would masturbate because it, it felt makes good. you feel good, right? So. I was, my mom got called in with the teacher and she was trying to talk to her about it. And my mom got so angry and said, you have no idea what you're talking about. My daughter would never, this is, and she had such right. shame around right. herself or whatever that they like shamed me and yeah. I didn't even know what I was doing. And, but so I always like masturbated in secret, but I tried to teach my friend Valerie Duda when we were five. And I remember laying on the bed. I remember <laughs> what the bedspread looked like. It was yeah. yellow and it had little white flowers with little, little green centers. And I remember I had a little ballet bar on the wall. I remember the, I remember my room like totally there was a little dollhouse over here and we're laying on my bed the way it was in the corner and there's a window and I'm mm. trying to teach Valerie dude I'm like you put your hands like this and you lay on your hands and you move around and this thing happens and she like after a while she's like I don't get it and I was like know. okay she didn't get it and we never talked about it again right. or whatever but I was like what is this thing that I See, can do that no one yeah. else can do okay I'm glad you shared this story because I thought I was a weirdo when I was a kid because I would do some really freaky shit like that but I love sleepovers love sleepovers so like around eight or nine when girls really start getting curious about boobies and stuff like you know I remember that's kind of like sexual experience, girl sleepover kind of thing. Yeah, Curiosity. I masturbated next to my friends. And my you know. friend Charlotte used to get mad at me and she'd say, stop moving in the bed. What are you doing? <laughs> and it's because we were like sharing a bed and I was masturbating. No. <laughs> right, right. No, that's we were hilarious. kind of like... I thought well, I was doing yeah. it quietly, but no. I mean, but enough. like it was, you know, it was, it, it, and like I remember even when I was younger with that, like I would like touch myself and like just have these weird things i'm like and i started i remember i got in trouble because i found my uncle's playboy and i enjoyed looking at it and i remember i was in the bathroom like yeah tits and it was the toya jackson issue as a matter of that's fact that's hilarious the <laughs> latoya and latoya yeah awesome. yeah i know right oh, i didn't think about that um and i remember uh my aunt saw me she's like snatched it and i felt so shameful i'm like oh my god the playboys were be around too because my uncle was that kind of dirty uncle but he was cool um he wasn't a petty uncle uh <laughs> and so like i remember just getting yelled at and feeling so shameful I'm like little girls like you shouldn't read stuff like that blah 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 in my mind i'm like but he has it so right. and Why i was i even okay questioning right? this exactly but i still i remember i punished myself oh you were catholic so I, oh, I was, yeah that catholic. was that catholic guilt catholic there guilt. you go yeah mean, but it's also that catholic guilt yeah, that adds on to the yeah, yeah. so then How i remember in front of our lord yeah, and savior so like a couple of hours everyone's like where you know where's toya because there was a party going on downstairs and and some i think it was my cousin that or my aunt found me and she turned on the lights i was sitting in the dark in the in the bathroom sitting on the toilet just like with my head down oh. and they're like toya why you, what's wrong with you why are you doing this and i'm like i feel really bad because everyone found out and they're like listen it's okay but you know don't be careful what you read blah 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 and i think i was like eight years old or yeah. something like that yeah. and so like that guilt but also too i'm like why the fuck do they have it right right <laughs> so right. then i started right. i moved into uh porn tapes oh wow i had a porn collection by the time i was 15 wow. and then my mom found my porn <laughs> and more shame yeah, yeah but no right. no but yeah, no, now, like, no. Super she shame. she shamed me 
and she's like what do you want to be a porn star and i'm like maybe they make good money i don't know being my 15 year old right, self sassy yeah, like course. don't tell me uh-huh. uh, but um she found my tapes and she um took them away she didn't ground me or anything but she was just like playing this high moral authority authoritarian excuse me well six months later I was looking for some of her shoes under her bed. Would I find my tapes oh, next to her vibrator? Oh, and then I went and shaved her. Yeah. And I said, give me my tapes give back. Me my tapes this back. is not, this is hypocrisy. And so I got my tapes back. So here's, this is a, a gender, um, a, a thing about gender studies that I thought when I took a gender study class um, years and years ago, is that women can truly be bisexual because Babies are fed by breasts and male babies and female babies are both suckled at the breast for periods of time. And you make connections with a woman because only a woman has milk. So a woman is able to make an emotional connection with both males and females because of her physiology. I thought, you know, especially not because of her gender, but because of her physiology. So I think that that's why women can understand more gender fluidity because physiologically we're made to love well, we give life equally. too yeah so to right. give life we, we give and life. to love right. equally both men right. and women yeah. so when we conf- confuse things sexually it's not confused it's just that it's the it's how we were it's how we're physiologically raised to connect to women yeah well also i think part of the consequences of us not being allowed to be angry right if you cannot be angry then the only other option is to find compassion which Uh is technically Uh technically a more morally correct way to be sure so we sort of are are forced to be more moral and rousseau even in on emile and he talks about women and he's like oh you know men have these sinful natures and women are so pious and, and it's like what the fuck dude that's convenient like it's in our nature to be pious we can't be bad or no. sexual you're the one who gets to be like you have all the emotion have everything well not emotion but you get to have all the sin and all the um, fun yeah, exactly. and right the be the be naughty side and then when we're sinful it's against our nature so it's like this added so well we weren't even we were for so long we were just property we weren't even necessarily oh, considered absolutely. people no yeah it's so hard Just now like it's the, the, yeah. the, the concept of worth and I think it has goes back to your pride and prejudice the woman without anything still had intrinsic worth because right. of who she was yes. now in our society I never felt like I was ever going to be successful in a career because although I had the same degree I became a teacher which isn't mm. you're not monetarily compensated right. and then I was in another artistic form where I wasn't monetarily compensated right. and my ex-husband used to say well if you like your job you won't make any money at it it has to be like a really hard job like that you hate I in order disagree. to make money at it. Well, that was his perspective. Right. But right. so for me, well, it was really hard. He had to hard. tell himself that because God. he was in he a sounds, really hard job. That he, If he, he was a miserable. vet, he was in too deep. He couldn't get out. He can't do anything else. Just like Dennis, that's why they have such a high rate of suicide is right. because... Once right, they're in, they're in. Right. And, and yeah. all you can do as your job is put your hands in somebody's mouth all day every day. Mm-hmm. You can't... Right. There's no versatility. Like me as an attorney, I could be in the courtroom. I could be anywhere, right? Yeah, right. You're right. just stuck in the box. 
Right, and so you yeah, have to. You're almost. But the money, the money's in the box. Beliefs. So you have worth as a person in our society because a, you're a dentist, and I don't b, think you it make has a, to be that way. But I, I know I don't think so, it has to be yeah. that way either. But for what Comedy I'm saying personally is that for a long period of my time, especially during my marriage, I never felt like I had any worth because my job right. never made money, and even now my job makes no money. Yep. So in society standards, I have no worth because I have no money. But we have to reteach people that intrinsic worth and monetary gain are not the same. They have no, nothing not. to do with I, each well, other. Well, okay, I agree with that statement, but I think the solution is to empower everyone with money. So everyone right. feels monetarily worthwhile, and they also own, have say. their own power to in, do things and be... Oh, and Virginia Woolf, I keep talking. I think we should figure talking. out a way to pay kids. I think we should sure. figure out a way to make education financially self-sustaining so that they don't have to constantly have their handouts so that we can pay teachers a real salary so that kids can have computers in all schools. Teachers should be paid like NFL players. That's the other thing we refuse to think of education as being capable of being financially self-sustaining. The teacher is the most important person in one's life. Exactly. And that, I mean, gosh, I can remember my teachers as far back. My first, my kindergarten teacher and every, I mean those teachers now I mean being a teacher now I, I, I can't imagine because the fact of like we're, we're going with all the way back to No Child Left Behind and and then the curricular and there's no critical oh, no, no, no. oh no 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 it's way it's, way it's way great. wait it's, go ahead oh no I was just gonna say it's just like you the teachers that had an impact on me don't have the same impact I feel on a lot of other children now because of the fact of especially the public schools i'm talking more in the public schools now. yes you know and the other problem now is the sex thing oh, right yes, uh, all these news articles yes. uh, there's no way i'm gonna be in a classroom with a bunch of boys no fucking way <laughs> oh. there's no way okay, so in there's no there's no edu- there's no like administrative extinctioned way for me to say as a teacher as a ta to say i'm not fucking any of you if you interpret any don't ever interpret anything i do to be any kind of sexual anything you are never ever gonna ever see any part of my body naked if you do that's a mistake right like i mean so and also these news stories and with kids being exposed to sex even younger and younger and younger i there's i'm not getting anywhere near and and i don't think that our worth should have anything to do with our sexuality and unfortunately as women our value our worth oftentimes is in our sexiness or the way that we look or the way that we present ourselves because we are objects because we are made objects by ourselves we objectify ourselves when we take that in like we have um even within our culture of you know women and how men perceive sex sex it's i notice with different ethnic women it's different uh different types and stereotypes you know for example asian women are supposed to be more passive oh yeah and submit you know submit okay but here's the truth about asian women is that they are all actually very uh, controlling. Mm-hmm. And so th- what I've Use, noticed about the mindset of the guys who are attracted to Asian women is that they need to be controlled, but they also need the world to perceive, to hide that from oh, the world. Right. So they have this tendency to be like these guys that are just really, really, I don't know. You know what I'm they're saying? living a, they're living a, like a, 
they're living a lie. Yeah, they right. It's it's this it's the same thing as like I don't know Donald Trump wearing a hairpiece. He (laughs) he needs to. The world, he needs the world to think that yes. he has these status symbols of manliness. I am powerful. powerful. I'm powerful. Because I somehow, bully people. This Asian beautiful doll. Yeah, Asian tiny, am, yeah, tiny, tiny doll. Yeah. It's a submissive oh, doll. How'd you do in the home, she is railing at him constantly. I need more money. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. But, but then. Seriously. I mean, but there's. So, like some of the ladies they brought back from the. <laughs> They brought back oh. the Vietnamese from Vietnam thinking yes. that they would be docile little lambs. Wrong. Little, 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 Wrong. little flower. Right. But I like, mean, delicate but flower. subliminally knew that they weren't. But, right? right? That's right, not right, an accident. Right. Like, they're yeah. happily married. I'm happy for these women. Sure. I don't mean Absolutely. that in any disrespect. No, nope. nope. we're, we're not offending thrilled. anybody. But thrilled. the point that I'm trying to say is, like, each woman has their own different culture of, or excuse me, not culture, but how we how we're perceived sure um and like is like for example black women are supposed to be more aggressive about right. it and more sexual about it exactly. as for uh latina women are supposed to be a little bit more spicy yeah they and, get to be yeah, loud and argue they get argue the opportunity to argue course, with yeah people. exactly and then why women y'all uh, all over the place we're cunts that's just that <laughs> why women y'all, y'all up, all over straight place. up cunt y'all can, i have a, a photo of myself from you're junior to be high. passive though that's yes. and number it's one me next to one of my friends sabrina and I'm like have a lot of makeup on I have my hair short it's like we're like 8th grade ninth grade um, I'm wearing this black and, and gray striped it's just all very mod and very out there right and she's nice. wearing very like dainty pretty sweater floral, a sweater set floral, with, sweater with pearl buttons <laughs> with literally, sweater right? set with pearl because buttons maybe a little scarf is telling her she's a badass and she's like no 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 I'm sweet right yeah. and the world is telling me I'm sweet and I'm like no 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 I'm a badass yeah right but, but <laughs> right? The, 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 right. Beauty, yes, the beauty absolutely. of America the beauty of the United States I hate to say America because America is pretty big but the beauty of the United States is that we can buy our identity if I decide right. that I want to go out and I want to I want to start rock climbing I'm going to be a rock climber Trump I can go identity. I can yeah hey, right? buy identity but that's the thing is and I hate that that when I wear makeup like today I get to be on TV whoop de doo I'm going to wear Yay. makeup and I look different when I wear I just look I know I know how the world perceives me I get it and oftentimes I choose to not dress I, just, I don't like to wear dresses sometimes because I feel yeah. like I'm calling unwanted attention to right. my legs. Yeah, but the thing is, you can, nice. fool, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Yeah, and I right. think we're starting, that's part of what getting woke is, is sure. to kind of see this. I just, but fake it till yeah. you make it. That's yeah, the whole I like thing. To play right? dress up. I'm a rock climber now. I just bought the right. shoes and the outfit, and I've got a little bag full of chalk. And I'm just got my, I just got my uh, <laughs> Mission Cliffs card. Yeah. And then you never go, but you still have the identity, right? Yeah. Or I or, can be a skateboarder right now because I'm wearing right. my personal, independent shoes. And my, my personal me, favorite yeah. is I'm going through my improv phase. <laughs> 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 There's a bunch of those I know. Like I'm going to be a stand-up comedian and go through my improv phase and go to all these improv shows. I had a friend like that. Well, it, it's, adopting, it's, it's adopting. It's adopting an identity, yeah. and 
it's the thing is that we can do it. There's a little, at least a little work in that. You have to show up, but we can adopt identities by how much money we make, or we adopt identities by the status symbols that right. we have, by yep. our coach shoes instead of our sketchers, or right. by your. I mean, I just don't. When it's a Louis Vuitton bag, I find it to be very ugly. That L and the V and the brown leather, oh, but it's so one. iconic. I love that. And so it's a seven hundred and fifty dollar mm. backpack that's too tiny to actually put anything in, but it's a status symbol, that is and it cheap means for Louis Vuitton. I, it's, exactly. It's the same thing. <laughs> Tiffany bracelet. It's a ti- three tiny little diamonds on a platinum thing, and it's like fifteen hundred dollars. But it's why blood but diamonds. We're taught, because we're taught because in the media, just like we're taught everything else, that the status quo. Man. But it's a status symbol, it's a, and it's, it's a, how it's people the, they go. Your cars, you know. But if you're wearing like a tracksuit and then you have got you've got a Tiffany band on and a, and a Louis Vuitton backpack then you can be you're just, just like Miley Cyrus going out you know at lunchtime well, to get some falafel most of those people that do that shit can't afford that shit anyway right I right. mean first right. of all that's too much I, though I was looking for a Louis Vuitton wallet online res- it was resold uh, or resell <laughs> anyway uh, looking for the status um those people that wear nothing but labels and I look at them like, what are you trying to prove? Cause right. I like nice, I do like, I, I do like nice shit like that, but can I afford all that nice shit? No. A one right. or two pieces nice here but or there. You have I style. It. Yeah. But you have style. So you but work thing, with your wardrobe in a different exactly. way. Exactly. But the thing is not when everybody I has see style. People, when I see, see people like that, I feel sorry for them. Cause you're really trying, you're screaming to people like I need it. This is who I am. I'm trying to prove a point. Ah, I'm like, no, you actually, I know you can't afford it. Right. So why right. are you trying to prove people who have some people who are, who have the money to afford that don't have to prove it. Right, right, right. But, I really feel like the real problem with that dynamic in our culture is the fact that we have such a wage disparity. Uh-huh. And yes. so if everyone was pay, if everyone was paid fairly and there wasn't this large large gap this we, we, it would be totally and completely different why not fuck it i like some shit i like it's more like the fact that we're so wasteful with it right like, why right, don't right. we exchange clothes more sure, often sure, sure. and just go buy new and make new like we have too many clothes i agree like, that's why i have to switch what we value and also make yeah. a shit ton of money i i think absolutely i believe in your statement because it goes back to virginia wolf a room of one's own from 1914 or 1918 mm-hmm. when she gave that speech to the ladies saying that the only way to be a writer and to truly create is to have a room of one's own meaning that someone right. pays you for your space your food and your stipend Absolutely. and she talks about it being equal to the men's because men at the time were in colleges right. and she has this whole thing about how they ate beef and potatoes that were right. so crispy and she goes back to her college and they're eating like this sad other food because women just weren't valued as artists and as equals but she's saying that it's impossible to create to truly create unless your needs are taken care of now on the opposite side you've got Arto who says that you can't truly be an artist or create unless you're starving and that starving artists that's a real thing and you can't truly create unless you're creating because money has nothing to do with it which also ties into Virginia can I, Woolf can I, because they already give you the money so money has nothing to do with it can I say so something about the starving you to create yeah can I say something about the starving artists yeah now you got rich kids pretending yeah. <laughs> that they're starving artists, like, but they, they play the part. Sure. Like, well, you know, they'll get out on their own, but they still have mommy and daddy right. back in the big house Safety who's night. paying for their college right. or they dropped out 
because I want to be a starving artist. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, now you have the people, the pretenders, the pretentious ones. And I think there are more of those now than right. there are the true, true starving. Well, at least here in this city. Sure. Well, I can say that. Okay, here's the thing, though. I mean, we all have a long list of needs. And one, and if any one of those needs is starving, that is going to create a pain that is capable. You can't or fake pain, though. Well, but, but, but the pain problem, art comes from well, pain. But hold on, but yeah. but you're assuming because somebody is rich, they don't they're getting all of their needs met. Oh you're no no no, no oh no no no! I didn't say that. I said pretending to be the ones that have they they go out there pretend to be this hobo and what have you when they have an option when the fact that the hate street kids the kids that are on hate street with their guitars and they can just walk (laughs) over to the atm and get money but they sit on the street with their dog and their girlfriend and they camp out and they Mm -hmm. do this they live this lifestyle because i don't get what's why is that poser if that's what you want to do, do because it. they still because they still choice. have the there money actually, they still have the safety net they can always go to the yeah, ATM and get money their choice. art is going to suck yeah if exactly yeah. if you don't because their saying, pain isn't the real they, that's why I said they're, they're faking the pain when they do that and there are people well, that they can't be that's what I'm saying. There's artist. there's a lot of there's a lot of people that call themselves a starving artist when you have that option. It's just like if you're that's an artist, I, you're an artist, babe. You don't have to put right. a label on starving. Well, not only that, but that's one of the one of the many beefs I have with sorry no. Mark, the Mark Marin episode or season three episode eight is it starts out with this author suggesting that it might be possible to manufacture chaos for the purpose of creating art and I think that's not possible at all you have to your intention cannot be that or Mm -hmm. it's like it's like you can't look at it directly kind of a thing it's like it's just not it just doesn't work that way see but I, I disagree because a lot of times art is a craft so like in poetry sometimes people's souls just speak but a lot of times it's just manipulating words into a puzzle that works and so it is a craft that you're you can look at it you can look at it directly and you're trying to shape it it isn't like I'm feeling the clay it's like I'm manipulating the words although manipulating clay same thing so it's no but think about what's different about the uh, difference between I I feel like African American male comics have a really big leg up on white male comics Comics because yeah. they can imp- there's th- more more pain more emotion it it for yes and yes. they can say this you, that's they can why say, we're great entertainers. are you hearing me am I right that, am I right they can they can repeat and repeat and repeat a phrase that they want to and it's like acceptable I mean they can just keep going back to a refrain and it's so funny we accept it and it's um, funny they all right. I mean but right. you can watch the it's the and it would be me as a white lady. I'd call it urban comedy. But it's when it's like <laughs> deaf comedy jam, right? But it's it's this refrain that they continuously right. bring up, and well, they can say it over and over, and somehow they don't have to write as hard or something. I don't get it. Well, well here's the thing. Oh, I mean, oh no, no. I mean, we do have to write as hard. You know, the fact of the matter, because especially if you're talking about something political, which black folks, people of color, are just political, just the day you're born because you're going to get ostracized so but what I'm talking about is for example Stroymoid he's great and everybody loves him he says what's cracking all that or like did you you know he has one of those things that he says over like yeah, yeah but it's but it's with African American men they get this out kind of where they their five minute set three minutes of it is like kind of mugging to the audience and using a refrain right. they, but am I right funnier. but that is more emotional it's funnier and so mm. it's it's because it's tapping into that emotion it, it, it and because it the pain and the 
the comedy. You feel me? Just like, so. One <laughs> That's of, what it is. One of my favorite professors in grad school made the point that blues and pain are right next to exactly. each other. Exactly. Uh-huh. So yep. is comedy. Comedy, and pain. yeah, exactly. So right next to each other on that circle. I was just going to say feel that, like yeah. Jerry Seinfeld's most recent special is an example of as good as white male comedy can get. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean,. But, and, he, and he even says in the special, yeah, I could have been funnier if I was born in Peoria, Illinois, in a whorehouse. Like he's referencing uh, right. Richard, Richard Pryor, Pryer. right? You cannot, right. man. You, yeah. right? The, I mean, and the reason Jerry is still as good as he is is because he is going back to stand-up, which is a very, very difficult, strict discipline, right? Yeah. Sure. He's not That's being lazy about his craft. No. Right, right. Like Neil Brennan went back to stand-up. He's hilarious. That is, right? And you have to... Yes, continue to hone your craft and take the risks, do the difficult thing, right? So one of the things I like about being morally correct is that it's hard and painful, <laughs> right? So that's if, if you really want your art to be awesome, make the morally correct decision, deal with that pain and... That's, I mean, if you need to manufacture it, that's the only legit way to manufacture it. Well, okay, it. so let's get back to what I was saying earlier. Earlier, I did manufacture my own pain. I was in graduate school for poetry, and I had a boyfriend who was a very nice guy, but I wasn't attracted to him, and then I had the other guy who I was pining after, and I wrote like 52 poems about this guy. 18 of them have been published. They're great, Uh, they're really good poems, but I manufactured my own pain. I did not have to pine after my favorite drunk in a bar. I didn't have to, who I knew was inaccessible, who told me but I was always drunk and I was like oh he didn't say that he still came over and fucked me again so it's fine like right. I manufactured my own pain and right. even in graduate school I would grapple with it and I would say but do not- I have to be unhappy because even yes, all the guys but- that were the, the best poets were drunks they are manufacturing their own pain by being drunk all the time because no, no, there's no, no, no. all of these that's you dealing with some other psychological pain from your childhood etc cetera, etc cetera. that's not you well, creating but it. me now looking back I totally mean I could have been I could could have made a good decision and said, "I'm not going to date either of these guys. I'm going to look for." That's different. Well, you're doing the. You were doing the best you could. I, I mean, was doing. Yes, I was not manufacturing it of my own volition. Now I can right. look back and say, "Wow, I manufactured that." But it was. It, it wasn't. Or it wasn't I could conscious. have done differently. It, it's different than I wasn't creating making it for the purpose of. Right. I wasn't making a conscious choice to right. create chaos specifically yes. to make pain. Right. Right. But I was dealing in graduate school with people that were I felt like we were all sort of manufacturing our own pain the guy who drank for 36 hours straight wrote a great poem oh like, that was manufactured like a you know what I'm saying like <laughs> right <laughs> and I would do yeah. that I would I, I know would, yeah sorry I didn't no 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 so drunks and writers and it's it's all interesting yeah. we're gonna eat these burgers and in t- to do that we're gonna listen to everyday sexism Laura Bates at the ten- TEDx convention convent garden women it's a talk it's a TED Talk. Because okay. we nice. want to eat our burgers. <laughs> oh, wait. Can we watch also? Or We can watch it instead. Well, I don't know. You be the judge. I don't care. I'm not trying to. There is this uh, study by a, a behavioral uh, economist, economist uh, Dan Airely, on He did a study on how people choose hotness. Like, oh, what, cool. what, what's, what's hot to right, what that's, triggers that's, your hotness? That's for sure something that guys are only just starting to figure out okay, is true. that women like hot. As are well. we in control of our decisions, Dan Airely? Is that, or why do we do the things we do? Uh, no, it's got to be something more like. Are we in control of our hotness. own decisions? How do we decide about how do we? Dan Airely on dating and relationships. 
attractiveness maybe he probably didn't use the word hot uh, I put in hotness so uh-huh. attracted choose attractiveness or attract yeah attractive let's see uh, who you find attractive is based on how hot you are yeah, Dan Errolde okay good that only gives us six minutes but we'll listen oh. to that first and yeah, then yeah we can do more uh. and then we'll come back with uh, with that lady thing and we'll eat burgers yay yeah we're gonna eat burgers okay. we're listening to uh, the AltaCast right now thanks for joining uh, me Pam Benjamin Latoya the Sheriff of Truth and Trina Roderick we need to make up a name for her uh, we'll be back after this with Dan Airedale. What is the sort of thing these days? Yeah, that if you took all men and you ranked them on how attractive they are, from the most attractive to the least attractive, and you rated all women from the most attractive to the least attractive, and you can think about attractiveness as built being built from lots of stuff, right? It's not just beauty. It could be beauty and intelligence and so on. But if you created this. It was mostly about beauty, but you know, if you created that, it turns out that the most attractive would date the most attractive. The middle attractive would basically date the middle, and the low would date the low. Now, there could be slight deviations, but that's what happened. And why? Because if you're at the top and you're a guy, you can pick anybody you want. So you would pick a woman who's on the top, and if she's at the top, she could pick anybody she wants, she would pick you. So now the question is, what happens to the people in the middle? You know, most of us. What, what happens to people in the middle? How do we make sense of where we are in the social hierarchy? And, and for me, that thought actually became uh, very kind of crucial and apparent when I got injured. So here's what happened. You, you grow up and you have some kind of space in society and you know basically where you are and you know who would date you and who would not date you, who is kind of outside of your league uh, in, in general um, terms, and you know wh- where you fit in the social hierarchy. And, and, and I knew where I was in the social hierarchy, but one day I got badly injured. And you know, I couldn't think about romantic stuff for a long time, but when I could, um, all of a sudden I started wondering about where do I fall now in the social hierarchy. And I was trying to think about do, do I fall in the same place? I'm kind of the same person inside, but I look much less attractive. Right? And would the women who would date me before would keep on dating me now? And I said, why would they? They have other options, right? I'm not the only guy in the world. Uh, so, so it was kind of a, s- a very difficult concept for me to think about where do I fall. Like, I fell differently on the social hierarchy. I basically lost my space all of the time. And I was trying to understand how this social dance happened and how we find our place. And I was really wondering about where would I find my own mate? Where, where would I fit in this? in this scale. And there's a lot of kind of uh, personal complexities uh, with it. Um, but eventually it led me to a study. And, and the study was really asking the questions of how do we make sense of where we fit in the, in the hierarchy? And they're basically kind of multiple explanations, right? You could say you never adjust. You never. If you're kind of in the middle range or the low range, and you only are, you have to date somebody else who's in the middle range, you never make peace with it. You wake up every morning, you look at your partner across your shoulder, and you say, well, that's the best I could do. I really wanted more, sadly. You know, I have to admit my limitations, that's the most I could do. That means you don't adapt. It could be that you adapt. It could be that, for example, if you're unattractive, you start looking at other features that are unattractive and see them as attractive. You remember the story from Krylov when you have this, uh, this wolf, see these uh, grapes over the fence and he tries to get them and he can't get them and eventually he said, ah, they were sour anyway and he goes and eats something else. Right? So you could imagine that if you're unattractive yourself, you start valuing, if you're a woman, you start valuing short men who are bald with bad teeth. 
right? I mean, you just say, these are really wonderful features. I like hairy chest, I like bald head. I mean, you basically change what you like, and that actually helps you adjust. Or you can imagine that you start liking other things. You stop paying attention to attractiveness and start paying attention to other things. So we tried that in an experiment. Uh, initially, we went to this uh, website called Hot or Not. It's a wonderful website. You see pictures of people, and you decide, you rank them on a scale from 0 to 10 about how attractive they are, and then you see how you rated this person, how other people rated them. But the nice feature about this website is that if I rate people, the website knows how I was rated as well, because I have my picture there as well. By the way, I'm not rated very high, I think I'm like 6.4. But the people who are rating, you know how they're rating and you know how they're rated. So now the question is, the people who are providing the rating, there are people who are really attractive that are providing rating, and people who are really unattractive providing the rating. And the first thing you can ask is, do they have different ratings? Are the people who are inherently unattractive do they see beauty differently? And the answer is no. We all see beauty in the same way. The people who are nine rate people the same way as the people who are four in, in the hotness rating. So, so people don't change their sense of beauty. Now you could say, uh, so maybe they don't adjust at all, maybe they don't adapt. That the people who are four keep on looking for the people who are with nine. Um, or maybe they adapt some other way. So Hot or Not has another feature, which is a site called Meet Me in which you see pictures of people and you decide, do I want to meet them or not? Now it's not just rating, it's about also thinking about the probability that you will be accepted or turned down. And it's not so um, embarrassing to be turned online, but it's still a little bit embarrassing. So the question is, the people who are nine, will they approach different people than the people who are four? And the answer is absolutely yes. The people who are four basically approach people who are four or five. The people who are nine approach people who are nine or ten. People are a little optimistic. They approach a little too high, but they basically know their range. So what happens is people know their range. They know where they are in the social hierarchy. But at the same time, they see beauty at the same thing. So what happens? So how people solve it? Do they wake up every morning feeling bad? Or do they solve it in some way? So the last step, we need a speed dating event. We get people to do a speed dating event, and we ask them to rate other people on lots of attributes. Not just attractiveness, but all kinds of other things. And what we saw was the people who were very attractive cared more about attractiveness. This is like one of the dominating criteria. They want to date somebody who is attractive. Well, the people who are unattractive basically say, we don't care so much about attractiveness. We want people who are kind and have a good sense of humor. So what happened is that the way people adapt the people at the low end of the scale, is by changing their priorities. And all of a sudden saying, I want people with different set of uh, attributes. I don't care so much about beauty, I want somebody who is kind, good-hearted, with a good sense of humor. And that's actually the story of adaptation. So that's the story of how we are coming into a social hierarchy in a certain place, and based on our circumstances, come to understand differently what we want and don't want and how we view the world in a way that is compatible with where we are in the social hierarchy.
18 months ago, I had a really bad week. I was on my way home from work one night, and it was one of those hot evenings where the traffic was at a standstill. And as I walked down the road and the cars crawled next to me, some guys started shouting out of their car windows about my legs, about the things that they'd like to do to me. And I ignored them, and I carried on home, and I got on with it, like you do. And then a few nights later, I was on the way home on the bus quite late at night, and I was on the phone to my mum. And I thought at first that the guy next to me just accidentally brushed my leg with his hand. And I carried on talking to my mum. And then I realised that actually he was grabbing and groping my leg and moving his hand up towards my crotch. And I stood up to move away from him, but because I was on the phone to my mum, I vocalised it in a way that I didn't think I would have done otherwise. So I said, I'm on the bus, this guy's groping me. And everybody on that bus looked out the window or looked down at their feet, or looked at their phone. Certainly nobody stepped in, but more than that, there was a real sense of, why are you making a fuss about this, woman? You know, this is your issue. Deal with it. Don't make us have to think about it. And that immediately made me feel ashamed. It made me feel like maybe I'd done something wrong, or I shouldn't have been there on my own that late at night, or I shouldn't have been wearing what I was wearing, and all of those thoughts that that reaction triggers. And again, I carried on. I went home. I didn't mention it. I got on with it, like you do. And then a couple of days later, I was walking down the street in broad daylight, and there was a big truck that was being unloaded. Some scaffolding was coming off the back of it, and there were two guys working together. And as I walked past, one of them turned to the other and said, look at the tits on that. Not her, that. And they started discussing me as if I wasn't there, even though I was one metre away and I could really clearly hear them. So the thing that really hit me about these three incidents was if they hadn't all happened in the same week, I never would have thought twice about any one of them. And I started asking myself why that was. Why was this so normal? Why was I so used to them? And I started thinking back about hundreds of incidents that had happened over the weeks and months and years that I'd never said anything about to anyone because it was normal. And I started talking to other women and asking them, women I knew, older women, younger women, women I met, saying, have you ever experienced anything like this? And I honestly thought that one or two women would have a story, that one or two people would say, yeah, a few years ago, this thing happened, or I once had a job where this happened. But it wasn't like that. It was every woman I spoke to. And it wasn't a few years ago, this one incident. It was hundreds of things. It was on my way to meet you today, this happened. Yesterday, this happened. Most days, this happens. But just like me, until I asked them, they'd never told those stories to anyone because they were used to it, because it was normal. So I started trying to speak up about this because I was kind of realizing there was this huge problem and I started trying to talk about it. And again and again, I got the same response. People said, stop making a fuss. Women are equal now, more or less. And if women are equal now, then to talk about sexism, to complain about sexism, must be overreacting. Or maybe you don't have a sense of humor. Or maybe you need to learn to take a compliment. Or maybe you're a bit frigid or uptight. Or you need to learn to take a joke. And I thought maybe they were right. Maybe women are equal now, more or less. Perhaps I was overreacting. So I thought I'd look into it. I thought I'd interrogate that claim. And I did. And, and these are some of the things that I found. Women are equal now, more or less. Except that in our Houses of Parliament, where the policies that affect all of us are debated and defined, less than one in four MPs is a woman. Women make up one-fifth of the membership of the House of Lords. The UK comes joint 57th in the world for gender equality in Parliament. And then I looked into the law, and I found that just four out of 35 Lord Justices of Appeal and just 18 out of 108 High Court judges are women. So I decided to look at the arts, 
and I found that it was reported in 2010 that out of 2,300 works, one of our most prestigious art institutions, the National Gallery, had paintings by just 10 women. I found that at the Royal Opera House, it's been over 13 years since a female choreographer was commissioned to create a piece for the main stage. And that out of 573 listed statues up and down the UK commemorating people of interest, just 15% of them are of women. I found that fewer than one in 10 of our engineers is female, less than half the proportion of France or Spain. That our Royal Society, one of our most prestigious scientific institutions, has never had a female president, and just 5% of the current fellowship are women. And that whilst women make up 50% of chemistry undergraduates, they're only 6% of professors. I found that women write only one-fifth of front-page newspaper articles, but 84% of those articles are dominated by male subjects or experts. That women directed just 5% of the 250 major films of 2011. And that only one in five UK architects is female, yet 63% of them report experiencing sexual harassment in the workplace during the course of their career. And then I looked into the crime statistics. Women are equal now, more or less, except that in the UK, over two women a week are killed by a current or former partner. There's a phone call to the police every minute about domestic violence. Every six or seven minutes, a woman is raped, adding up to over 85,000 rapes and 400,000 sexual assaults every year. In the UK, a woman has a one in four chance of becoming a victim of domestic violence and a one in five chance of being the victim of a sexual offence. And worldwide, one in three women on the planet will be raped or beaten in her lifetime. So I decided that that argument that women were equal now and we shouldn't be making a fuss really didn't stand up to scrutiny. In fact, it seemed to me that it really was time to make a fuss. So I set up a simple website because I realized that we couldn't solve a problem if people refused even to acknowledge that it existed. And that what I really wanted people to have was that experience that I'd had of seeing these things kind of rolled out in front of them like a map and realizing how much there was and how bad it still was. So I set up a very simple website called the Everyday Sexism Project. And I asked women and men to add their experiences of gender imbalance on a daily basis, anything from the tiny, niggling and normalized things all the way up the scale. And I didn't have any funding or any way of publicizing it, so I thought that maybe 20 or 30 women would add their stories, and I hoped that it would build a sense of solidarity and help to raise awareness. But instead, things took off a little more than I expected. Sweet. Well, lucky for her, things took off. Uh, that was <laughs> that was Everyday Sexism by uh, Laura Bates, and before that, uh, Dan Airedale about the hotness scale and uh, dating, which we were talking about earlier. Uh, hey, so we hope that you know about everyday feminism. We're having issues with everyday feminism today in the wake of the Me Too. Hashtag Me Too issues. Victim! Well, and, and a lot of women have been coming out on the Facebooks and, and spreading stories of victimization and sexual abuse that have happened in many different ways, uh, triggered by the Harvey Weinstein Stein thing that uh, trickled down, and a, and a lot of the general rampant sexism but the me too issue actually i feel like it goes against feminism i feel like it's a it's a it's a look over here look over here i got a puppet over You're here a victim. it's like but oprah it, giving away cars but it's in the wake it's it's in the wake of 
uh, just now having our birth right, our birth control stripped yeah. and medical mm-hmm. stripped. And instead of dealing with that, we're all saying, I'm a victim too. I've been victimized. Well, welcome to being a woman. We've all been victimized. Right. Oh, yeah. Trina has thoughts. So does LaToya. We all have thoughts, but yeah. you were okay. out there going crazy yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, because- we gotta talk about it! <laughs> I mean, because that's exactly right. I mean, what's happening with the victimization is we're being denied access to the executive washroom on the basis of the sort of, you know, height of the, you know, second wave feminist tenants about women the the second wave myths the the that were promulgated like the fact second by the second wave feminists like the fact that we're better friends like the fact that we're um more we're, we need protection so second right, we wave can't, feminism we don't protect people we don't 60s sorry. 70s for people oh. who don't know the waves of feminism okay. there's like the suffragettes yes. which would be first wave right. the, the first getting wave. the getting the vote I'm and sorry. then second wave. Well, no, a lot of just a lot of our listeners will. I mean, no, a lot yeah. of time I use fourth wave fe- feminism as a but to a joke, but it's real. Fourth wave feminism is a thing, mm. but oftentimes I'll use it as a joke because no one knows what it is, anyways. Well, okay, so I periodize. Not everyone does this, but I do. Uh, first wave feminist movement um, up to 1920 when we achieved the right to vote. Right. And right. I, in my writing, I relate the movements to like a wave. So they're slow, Absolutely. slow, slow at first. Also, I relate it to like um, the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell, mm-hmm. who says, look, an epidemic, The way, this is how an ec- epidemic grows slowly with these tiny little causes and then explodes at a tipping point. And these social movements follow the same trajectory. Mm-hmm. So they start real slow and then they explode right at a tipping point. So with the first wave feminist movement, that happened right right after World War One, yep. before 1920. So that's part of the reason. Okay, so the second wave feminism, but what happens <laughs> though socially is that that's a lot of stress to go through, right? A lot right? Of to make that change, right. right? And so everyone needs to just take a breath. Because women now have the right to vote. So it's the roaring right. 20s. Well, so, but their opinions, <laughs> right. what it means for women is that suddenly our opinions mattered politically before right. that we could right. influence our husbands but if you weren't married right you're you, sol baby yeah, you, you ain't, ain't got nobody to talk shit. to and you don't matter not even the right to no. vote. But, 1920 but, this is less than 100 years ago right and then going through after 1920 you know right. the roaring 20s like i was saying uh, right. you you don't hear very much right. uh around that period of time well, until happens- a little bit to the great depression yeah and then you know we're heading on to the world war ii right yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. Second, okay. So second okay. wave. So second when wave. I second went wave. to second graduate wave. school, it for my master's in history, I was like, "What the fuck happened after 1920?" Yeah. Right. What Everyone's happened doing the to feminism? Right. Right. And so what I felt like I discovered was that there was this huge split in the feminist movement. So half of the feminists wanted to assimilate with the men and. Mm-hmm like break off into or go to like become a Republican or a Democrat based on party lines. The other half wanted to stay together as a whole and have their own party, the women's party. Yeah. Wow. Right. And that would have been powerful. Wouldn't it? That would have been great. Because then the Democrats and the Republicans would be fighting amongst themselves and the women's party of socialism would be a real thing. Right. 
Um, yeah. So I joke about it, like leave it to women. Like the most powerful movement, like the, oh, time, oh, they yeah. only they could defeat themselves. Right, right? Right, right, They're right, so right. powerful; they were the only force to reckon with. Sure, right? That's hilarious. So, but but also promiscuity gets really rampant and sure. or, or or is on the rise because women right. like stuff like sex too. Sure. Like we yeah. were just denied it. It was not. It was. Faults that it was part of our nature to not do sexual. It's you've just got Gloria Steinem. Uh, not Gloria Steinem. You've got um, my big favorite battle axe, uh, Gertrude Stein, yeah. and her yep. her open yep. lesbian relationship yeah. with her yeah. uh, her right. buddy that the uh, Alice B. To to not right. to Alice so B. Toklas. The, to Alice me, B. Toklas. So the second wave feminist movement then is interesting to me because, you know, so it's real slow. It goes That's real where the feminists dormant. went. They went to France. There's a lot of <laughs> feminist firsts, right? You So you get like Amelia Earhart, the first woman. to. So you've got sure. all these feminist firsts. Mary like Curie discovers. Right. And it, it's real slow Plutonium. up until, it, but also sort of piggybacks onto the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. which reaches its goal and is cons- like the, the, it's it's got the same sort of fervor, or it's got the same um, stress on the status quo. Right, separate to but make equal. Plessy, Plessy versus Ferguson. Right, and the women, the, the adding gender to the 1964 Civil Rights Act was actually an attempt to sabotage it. So they thought that the opponents of it thought that it might be possible. You went out. There you go. There you go. Back in. The, uh, nope, you're out. There you go. They, they thought there you go. There you go. They thought it would help it fail. They thought they could get it the build or the the act to fail if it included gender. And so there oh. was a feminist movement, but it wasn't a very strong feminist movement. Well, they were going well, for the ERA, right? And we never got it. We never got it. And that and was it, the second it, wave it was feminist. Never really, yeah, yeah, I mean, and so it was hidden behind him. Didn't become a feminist until 1969. Sure. That's five years sure. after the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Sure. So that so part of the reason I then demarcate 1969, in addition to the fact that that's when I was born. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Right, but it follows the same kind of pattern. It's like a 60 year, 60 years after 1920. Yeah, you and have Brady. Uh, what is her name? Uh, Betty uh, Friedan. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Was well, and then the it culminated with Roe v. Wade. So it, right. it started yeah. in 69. We and said we need right. to have we need to have access to our own reproductive exactly. system. That's the, that's we the, need to have family planning. 74 right. Roe versus Wade. That's the tipping point. Right. And then it flows. Yes. And then we exactly. got. Then, it, the, then the third exactly. wave doesn't come until the 1990s, which no, is well, my. See, that's uh, what I disagree with. I don't think we well, had a third wave. Actually, I. I, I think, think we had. So. I think, I think we the actually, black women had. A, I, we had. The third I think wave. we had a wave like in the 1980s, and I, I and my wave that I can remember about feminism was Alice Walker. Right. No. Black. Um, we had black. That was yeah, the third wave was black so, feminism like, from that's, you Oprah. Know. But you also had Alice but you Walker. You also had artists like uh, Cindy Sherman. I know too. why the cage bird sings. Uh, so the 80s and into the 90s. Because um, it was kind of sleepy. Yeah, but you have to. It was I mean, black but, black but women was, fem, feminist black. Uh, feminism came, became came, a, that's, like, that's so the had, third way you, I you have say. you have your turning no more, because no. you have to accomplish you have to change something you don't oh, just part, become changed. part of the movement but in our was culture but in, but in our culture that was breaking barriers within because in our culture yeah, okay I know what the tipping point is I know what the tipping point is Halle Berry winning an Oscar is a tipping point we haven't gotten to a tipping point oh I don't I'm saying of the black 
But the black women I don't, you I recognize... Don't, I, don't, I don't think Halle Berry has anything no to way. do with it. No, We have to make an not. actual no. change. I, yeah, yeah, but we she, ha- we're, we're not even... We're not in... I think, no, actually, what the reason why um, I say the 1980s and the 1990s, because you have... That was the first time you had started to get more uh, female senators mm-hmm. as well. So politically, it was yeah. changing. Right. So well, that was, was a change. No, but you're seeing but, those kinds of changes between the first wave and the second wave. Right. Like, right you got female first. The female firsts don't right. in, indicate a new, you know, a, a but revolution you know, but in the movement. But that is also the sort of black feminism in my, you know, in my eye. Well, actually, in the 70s. But the third wave, I really think it could... To get, uh, kicks off because the fact that matter yeah within our like i was saying within our community we have sexism like for example the black panthers something that they don't want to talk about is all the sexism that was going on within the black panther party and so women said fuck this we're going to start being leaders and so the men started getting that's one of the reasons why the black panther party failed because there was so much sexism and the the women weren't going to take this bullshit something that wasn't talked about until recently um but I think that conversation started coming back up again in the 1980s, the mid-1980s going into the 90s. And a lot of things that we didn't talk about within our community because it was either we don't want to talk about it or it's going to overpower, you know, it's going to give black women power. And that's the scariest thing to any motherfucker when a black woman has power. And that's just Oprah. Oprah's rich. She gives everybody cars. (laughs) You get a car. Well, that's you why get people don't. That's people. That's why people have a love, love hate uh, relationship with Obama, Michelle Obama. You can't Michelle hate. Obama. You can't hate that woman. No, 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 She's no, a powerful black her. woman, and that scares people. Well, and I and I don't mean to diminish from the accomplishments, but I think my point is like examples of people um, partaking of the rights that were gained in the prior mm. movement, like the 1964 Civil Rights Act right, gave right. us the right to equal opportunity. So then okay. us, uh, it, you Martin know, Luther King exercising holiday. those rights. You got a holiday. Ma- got right. a holiday. M- Martin Luther King's holiday, Corella Scott King, if she didn't do what she had to do, that's actually part of feminism as well, what she did. That's why we have a Martin Luther King, because... Uh, day because she kept going after the Reagan administration say like you need to put my husband on and I'm going to get all these black folks and we're going to campaign against you and so and so that I think is kind of like you know that in a way is historical I mean that's feminism at its historical you know not best but accomplishment she got shit done yeah absolutely Trina says there's no third wave then then does no, the I think fourth wave come? I think we're about to have it in at in okay. the next presidential election I think that's oh. why this is all getting you went out again I think that's why okay heated up because we are about to hit a crescendo soon mm. like with the next presidential in the next four years we are getting really close to that tipping point that's why it's significant the me too thing not because it's correct but it because it opens the conversation it's different it's you know this is like a, a change in the way we behave socially but, because but, it's because but, women are standing up and saying harvey weinstein right, which totally right, destroyed but, but my right, career look at mira sorvino beautiful girl right. he destroyed her career oh and my when we god were reading all the things about all the women is that what happened to her yes, yeah he yeah. destroyed oh, because yeah. he wanted her to touch his penis or something or what, what, watch him bathe Oh but they made a they made no the one that he got he gave a hundred thousand dollars to rose, rose mcgowan. mcgowan i love her and and rose mcgowan to keep her silent he gave her a hundred thousand dollars but then where did her where did her great where yep. did jawbreaker was an amazing movie and then what happened to her she was so he screen, did use it. his power he right. used his power to 
shut down their careers right. because he was an ugly, schlubby guy that thought he deserved 22-year-old gorgeous women to touch his wiener. Right. Which is so but, sad to me that he would ruin their talented futures over right. his own ego. But right. I, I'm just afraid that with all this uh, Harvey uh, Weinstein stuff, I am afraid that it's going to fade back to, you know, we're gonna forget about this next month, just like with the Bill O'Reilly and that, just like, just and like that, that Bill disgusting Roger Ailes, yeah. you know, and the and the fact that matters, like yes, everyone's coming. Oh, up. Me and too. the NFL, yeah. the NFL player that gets to play. Did you hear about this? This makes me crazy. So he beat his wife this summer, and they mm. said, oh, we're supposed to put him on suspension. But then, oh, there was the thing with the courts. So then they let him play for the first six weeks. Well, now after these six weeks, and he's playing really well, by the way. I don't remember what team he's on. Probably not the Buccaneers. But I, Jonathan was talking about it. And we're both just livid. Then the court, the guy, the judge goes. Well, we're still pending this case. So he's still playing in the NFL and he beat his wife up this summer. And there have been other NFL players that weren't doing as well and they got fined okay, and okay, they didn't get to okay. play. So what we're doing is right. we're you condoning. Know, yep. The NFL is condoning this man beating his wife. Exactly. Giving and him still, money and allowing him and to play. And they still won't give Colin Kaepernick a job. Right. Because because he's, <laughs> because, stand, because so he's doing the right. right thing. So exactly. it's okay to do the wrong thing. Be a bitch beater. And, but but you still can't give this brother a job. Right. right. Really? Well, that's Seriously? why making the right choice creates creates pain that then creates heart. So this is, again, oh, this is great correlation. Uh-huh. I just thought about this with the NFL and what have you. So you yeah. see the civil rights and the feminine, that movement kind of paralleling. Right, NFL. A, yeah. Look look at black look at black men be gladiators for, for money. Let them be, you know, slave sport people. It is a slave sport. And then, uh, and, then and yeah, they get to beat their sure. wives because... Their, because their head injury. Because of their right. head injuries and because they're big, huge men that run into each other and they're powerful and they make lots of, ma- of money. Because the mass you make them enough, down. Well, if you make enough money, of course you get to beat your wife. That's the rule of thumb, right? You're not supposed to beat your wife with a stick bigger than your thumb. That's where the rule of thumb came from, by the way. I, everybody I do, linguistically. I do, <laughs> I do, but I do think that the, a lot of that abuse has something to do with the head injuries. Absolutely. I really do. I really do. Absolutely. The, that, I, I really feel that. And, but that's something that the NFL doesn't want to do. See, the NFL is a dirty motherfucker. Yeah. Did you know that they were they oh, were so fucking privately dirty. owned for many many years, and they finally became like uh, public or whatever. They were. It's it's just a huge money making scheme. It's yeah, ridiculous. It's but ridiculous. the same kind of bullshit is everywhere. Like right. in graduate school, for example, I was reading a book by an African American academic professor and. As part of my book report kind of assignment, I had to research who she was, right? So this, so it's hard. Like, in who she was is she was an African American professor who was married to another African American professor, but they were on different in different states because it's so hard to get these professorships. Sure, were they in the same discipline? I don't remember, but I, but they weren't on the same or even in the same state. And I was like, well, how is that different than a plantation where you couldn't be on the same plantation oh. as your husband? Nice. Right? Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, wow. uh, but uh, the- because academia is so competitive that it's not that it's, it, it's in fact, I mean, it, that the purpose isn't to enslave, but it has that consequence Ac- because it's so fucked up. Actually, going to that point with academia, okay, pe- okay, uh, basketball players, football players, anyone that plays a sport in a university, those are slaves. Those are the biggest, those are the ones, right. that, yep. those are the saddest ones yeah. because. Yeah. You don't. You're. You're not guaranteed if you're going to get into the NBA or the nope. NFL or the WNBA. You know. And even if you, you are, you, it's still a young person's sport. I. You. Yeah. I would be retired now. Right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But the point is, these players, they they get. 
they have shirts with their names on and they don't even get the profits of it. Yeah. Wow. You're selling merchandise. Great point. Great merchandise. Right. They don't, and they're still eating ramen noodles. Yeah. Oh. They're getting, you know, they're getting a new stadium. Oh, it's bad. But, it, but the, they might not eat that day because they didn't have any money. But, but they're the, working real hard for the, the university. Yeah. But the baseball oh, yes. teams, the baseball teams, when you buy the hat, if they're doing well, they don't, the players don't get the money. Yeah. I never even thought of merchandising. Yeah. Well, the fact is. That's insane. The, the corporatization of academics at that level is corrupting our edu- sec- yes, secondary it's education. Worse. Yeah. It's even worse Whoa, now. Oh, way worse. It's worse now because now you're, you're, getting, you're getting people like wanting to buy, you know, build these gorgeous stadiums that look like NFL stadiums or what sure, have you sure. at a university. But you're profiting off the backs of these people who are just trying to get Better a degree. students. Yep. Or trying to make it into the NFL or NBA. And they're letting them no slip by without even getting the education. Exactly. They're not actually even getting the education. education because yeah. the, most exactly. of the time they're used as chattel anyway yeah. to play the sport. And they're well, young and they want to party and they're like, yeah, fine, fuck it. I don't want to study. I don't want to do the hard thing. I don't want right. to make the they're difficult getting, choice. They're not right. getting the balance that they need because right. massa goes say we're going to have to play. We can't read today. No, wow. That's what it is. <laughs> wow. And that's academia. <laughs> yeah. That's that's in a nutshell. I, I never thought levels, of it like that. Including the professors. Yes. Like the, yeah. like they don't even make much I know. money there's, anymore. There's adjunct, so uh, there's adjunct professors that are like eating ramen noodles yeah. right now. It's exactly. like, it's insane. Because it's they so competitive. Is, yeah. 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 I mean, what did that happen? Why did that happen? Because America, because we systematically cold critical thought from our education <sighs> system with no child left behind. It was a calculated no. act by the Bush no. administration. I no. really think it is. No, it's money. It's, it's, but it it's is, not it self gets, it gets money though it gets to money it gets to money because when you systematically remove critical thought from education from 2000 until 2008 I, you give people the choice between in and out or burger king we they are no longer making critical no, thought I choices don't, I don't, they become blind consumers they're yes. easier to mold it all gets down to money because we don't want them to think it is, because if they think they no, they their okay. little brains explode stop it is critically important that we more realistically understand the psychology of the people that are engaging in this behavior because if we understand understand it then we can change it and i'm so sorry to disagree with you but it that the what you're saying is exactly the reason why we haven't been able to change it is because we assume that they're not doofuses who don't deserve don't have the brain power to support their position like trump trump is a perfect example of the fact that these are fucking idiots who don't have I'm sorry no no, no it's no, great I'm no, putting it down you, no you're doing great you're doing great and I completely agree with you it's it's the everyone gets a trophy it's yes. the every child is perfect every American is a special snowflake that's that deserves a, a car that's the big secret exactly. that they don't deserve it and they're but not don't smart be a, enough so, to deal with it but don't the, be a black but child but they all though. feel entitled <laughs> but every shot. single one right. of them feels entitled to a yes. car and an iPhone and yes. a good yes. job and a college degree because whether they will work for it or not and they will not work and I personally will never champion mediocrity and that's why a lot of people call me a cunt and they say I'm difficult to deal with, but it's because I will not give you compliments unless you deserve them. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Your your effort no. wasn't good enough. Oh no, we tell people we never tell anybody uh, anymore that their yeah. effort why, wasn't good enough. Why does that have you to be old fashioned? Me all the time when I don't deserve it. Well, so I'm going to take issue with that. Well, no, no, I'm not coming at you. I'm saying you. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I meant like the general you. I know. Well, I mean that's sorry. the thing. It's like <laughs> when you. you're when smart, did, you're fine. When, when no, did the no, fact I don't of deserve, you know you way over you deserve everything. Me. No, come on. You guys should make out now. Ha 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 ha!
<laughs> but it is it's the idea about the trophy you're yeah. talking about the special snowflake no, trophy the, the fact right, of the matter is well meaning like, they're well meaning it's right not intending to okay so you mentioned um our celebrity in chief i Ugh. this this is who you do not want to be this is when you, you this is what you turn out to be and look like you look like an asshole an unintelligent asshole when you had everything handed down to you and if someone says one itch of a negative word you go off but you you, but the thing is you're a punk because you're hurting inside because deeply someone did not give you enough love and affection so now and what you it's so obvious to see people who act like that it's just like someone did not love you or something yeah it is so i mean it's something like but but you know you you know that you're being a dick but everyone can see your pain but it's just nice to be a dick to a dick because you're not going to get it through someone's thick soul who skull who acts that way thick soul that's a good way thick to say soul. it too i don't but think he has a soul he acts in self-interest ourselves we all look yeah. at everybody else and go oh i see his problem but then we don't see our own oh, yeah. removed you, re- you remove right? the speck from your brother's eye before yep. removing the that's plank of your own in- thank you jesus it's in the Bible. Confuci- no, no, no. It's also in like Confucius. It is? I was That's reading great. someplace where elsewhere there's like three different, including the Bible. Um, independently, some, that's a human. Some say though that Jesus actually, the reason he disappeared from after the money changing tables until his 33rd year, some say he went to Asia to study with Buddhist monks. That's oh, that's a theory, and then he came that's back. A, yeah, that's what and I thought. Then he when had Joe all Gorman his, was like, "Who? Nobody dies at important. Died at thirty-three. I was, I was like, like, Jesus. <laughs> that's why we call it your Jesus years. <laughs> I was like, did he not die at thirty-three? I was like, maybe I have my years wrong. Maybe it was thirty. No, 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 no. I don't know. No, it's okay. Joe never went to college. But then, <laughs> no, he's funny though. He's no, amazing. No, no, no. But then Greg gets up and is like, and reading a list. I was like, oh, okay. He's about to say Jesus. No, no, it says Jesus. Okay, I must have died at thirty then. I must have. I must have been not paying attention because usually I'd be right on that Although, shit since I'm the Jesus he, scholar. Jesus is kind of a fictional character, so maybe he was. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, some say he existed, some say he didn't. He's he's I mean, I'm allegorical. Not he didn't exist. I'm saying but, that story is fiction. Right, right. I mean, it's it's he's alle- caused a lot of problems. I can tell you that. Rather shit. than fiction, I prefer <laughs> allegory. It's okay. allegorical because it's a moralistic tale that tells a specific or what do we theme. do that in modern times? Like uh, we do allegories now. Look at look at the Santa pearl Claus. the pearl by john steinbeck <laughs> is an allegorical fiction based, yeah. but uh, well, that's what i would this jesus person yeah. like i said has caused a lot of issues siddhartha is like an allegorical oh yeah i love story. that book. that's my favorite book. i Herman think has. um so I'm, we don't need to talk about this no. but you know, <laughs> we have we have 10 minutes left oh, but since uh, we're since we're still on education i have to tell you i just got a an email from the kids that were here this morning and it says, because one of the kids forgot his diabetes kit and I told her, hey, we, we transferred, everything was great, blah, blah, blah. And she said, thanks, that all sounds great. It was such a good time. Scout said it was his favorite day at Nomad ever. Killer. Aww. So I'm like, oh. And then at the end, they all did this thing. They're like, kids, give pants some snaps. And they went like, slap, slap, clap, clap, snap, snap. You're cool. And they pointed Aww, at me. So and cute. I was almost started crying. It was Aww. really lovely. They're really good. Junior hires can be cool. She's a really good teacher, this nomad teacher, I got to tell you. These kids were all that. really focused. Well, not really focused enough, but they got stuff done. It They're was amazing. You don't focus really when you're an adolescent. But they high. were able, there were two of them that read two pages single spaced each because they prepared Uh and they read so well i was like how did you i the the first kid i was like you went a a couple times but i was like that was amazing and then the second girl she 
was she just wrote in all of her sortas and all of her like anyway next and it was so cute she had so much personality and she'd written this thing on Alexander Hamilton and it was this paper and I was just impressed that this 11 year old 12 maybe was able to read into a microphone and their their um, podcast lines were great they were nice and thick like they did a really great I had all of them behind the board and so I think we should have kids creating media that they make money from absolutely yeah Uh, I mean kids could make so much money at schools we could have after school programs that are dedicated to business yeah, child businesses where they making make bracelets. actual money. Yeah. Actually, I think something. I don't think they should yeah. actually whatever. make money. I think whatever money, school. whatever right. money they make, can go into their own scholarship. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's great. You know, whatever. Like you know, if you get exactly. you know whatever money rather my, than right. put it. My buddy Isabella, hands. my buddy Isabella makes cakes and she wants to make cakes for all her friends for their birthdays, but the school frowns upon children making money in the same way I'm sure I told you the story in high school I would wake up every morning at 5:30 and I made cookie dough there's I go way back with cookies people don't understand like why I'm they're like the you make the you best food I've ever tasted it's like when I was in high school I would wake up at 5:30 in the morning and I would make cookie dough from scratch and I use the Mrs. Fields recipe where you here's the secret you take oatmeal and you put it in a blender and you grind it and you use oatmeal flour mm-hmm. with your regular flour because it doesn't have gluten Anyways, so you, were these oatmeal cookies by the way? Th- no, they were chocolate chip cookies, but oh. it's the Mrs. Fields recipe. So you grind up the oatmeal, you put that in with Why everything don't you first, want this much gluten because gluten makes your cookie like you want gluten in bread, but not in cookies Got or pastries. Right, right, it's a course. weird protein right, right. that develops. Yeah. So you put you Good mix point. it all around when you have your oatmeal flour that has no gluten, but then right at the end you fold in your flour with your chocolate chips, and wow. then now you take your batter and you put it. Out. Anyways, so I'd wake up every morning at five thirty and make all these cookies, and I'd wrap them all up, and I would take them to school, and I would sell them, and. I was doing rather well. So well, in fact, that I got called into the principal's office and they said, you can't do this anymore. Uh, You're taking money away from the cafeteria and it's illegal for you to sell things. So I got in trouble for being entrepreneurial. That happened to... And being a really good baker. Right. That happened to these... Wow. Yeah. My school was like that too. Like these nuns would sell candy on the side. Yeah. And the kids would go like before, um, you know, class would start. It was Sister Mary Ellen. Yeah. I remember her she um but she had a little hustle and she got shut down yeah. because they're like sister you shouldn't be selling this you're taking money away from the cafeteria yeah no she was making she was making that money because she needed some new shoes man. yeah because she was a nun she was a nun and she wasn't getting <laughs> she was an nun. entrepreneurial nun that's a good name for a band entrepreneurial <laughs> nun <laughs> trademark <laughs> uh we have Six minutes left. What's oh, the what's the there is something that I wanted to yeah, say yeah, going yeah, back to, uh, to the celebrity in chief. Um, oh. there was um so he had made the statement uh, a couple days ago about like other presidents not calling like uh soldiers and what have you and their families. Well, um come yesterday he um one of the soldiers that died in Niger, um they um flew him back and in the the Trump called them and, you know, instead of, you know, saying sorry about, you know, his death, he said, well, he, he knew what he signed up for. And I'm <gasps> sure you're, uh, oh, yeah, it's all over the place. You know, oh, by the way, he was black. Is he? He's, he's a, heartless. Wow. He's yeah, soulless. It's, it's, yeah. It, he's I, a soulless monster. I read about this today. Where Without tact. Okay. Soullessness aside, that is tactless. Oh, right. He's a patriot. When somebody a patriot too. dies, not, who is. Forget about that. I mean, that is, it's just, it, it goes farther than just yeah. soulless. It's like 
You're evil. He, his etiquette. It's, it's, it's a gift. Ineptitude. It, need, it's his, a gift. We need to look at, at look at it as a gift. I mean, he's so bad that he's going to motivate us to get off our asses because we're the only ones we should, we had to have learned from Obama. It's not one man who can make all the difference. Hmm. He doesn't fucking. I mean, I don't mean Obama doesn't matter. I mean the position doesn't matter as much as we make it out to be. Michelle so Obama. We need to back off of that shit, yeah. and we need to get up off our asses and make the changes Absolutely. make the hard choices right. create some good art by making the right choices the hard choices it's starting the risky choices and oh you know what else i was thinking part of the reason i think it's going to be the 1920 is going to be the tipping point and i don't think it was an accident that there's a almost 100 years, years between 1965 and 1964 with the civil rights movement um, so and I 1920 think, and 2020 exactly so, so 100 years exactly. 60 years yeah. and right look at the political climate that we're is, gonna we have the power as women to take this doofus down he's yeah. so oh, he's weak going, he's going he's, down his weakness is a gift he to didn't us. i know that he didn't know who's the president of the u.s virgin islands <laughs> yes, like, exactly. this is last week this last, last week, week he asked yes. who right. the president of the virgin islands no was. he said he spoke to the president, president of, of the, the virgin, virgin islands, islands. Oh, and you, everyone's to yourself, like, you are the president, president of, of the, the virgin, virgin islands. islands like who the Oh the my U.S. God. Virgin Islands, and then with the with the Puerto and it Rico, hasn't even isn't, been a year not, since we elected him. Yeah. Puerto Ricans not aren't even Americans. One yes, they are. They're dual citizens. He only has like thirty-two percent. And nature is cooperating. I mean, it's nature all is. Yeah, and me it, too. That's the significance yeah. of me too. It's just it's it's not like representative of a crescendo, but it's like contributing to getting to that crescendo. Right. And and he has the right to tell people to not kneel. Ain't that some shit? Seriously, yeah, right? You're gonna you're disrespecting our flag. No, nigga, you disrespect yes. the flag. Yo, right. you're a draft dodger. Right. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, Burns, yeah. burrows. Whatever you pussy ass fool. Right. Like for real, who's this clown? Right. Fucking clown. I am praying for that heart attack though. Oh, Ooh, I know. Lord he loves Jesus. McDonald's what? or a stroke. He no, loves. Baby, no, come on, get no. a stroke, baby. When we're gonna take he him loves, down. He loves Lady McDonald's. The ladies are gonna manage this. Well, one. if it does, we got him. I will. We I will. got this. I think right? that, like, like I wouldn't think it be it awesome would... and powerful if the women fixed it for oh, everyone? Yeah. No, it, that's gonna right? happen. But I want nature. I yeah. want nature to take its course too. I want a double whammy. Yeah, well, if God struck him down, it wouldn't be. Um, but after I, didn't the fact, say, I didn't say in that. exile. In yeah. exile, yeah, let's exile him first. Exactly. Oh, that's that's what I'm saying. Let the woman and the Russian investigation take him down, and then that nigga get a stroke, and he'll be like Dick Clark. <laughs> oh, Dick Clark. <laughs> yeah, Wait, he's dead. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> oh, who else can we bandstand? Right. <laughs> yeah. He never aged. Still on a reality show. <laughs> oh, I know. He still With thinks he's on a reality show. Wouldn't that be funny? Well, then it turns into a. So <laughs> it's like yeah, Donald Trump. He's got all the sexy nurses with boobs <laughs> around Trump him. Trump will have to like, have a drool rag. Yeah. Yeah. With the sexy, it'll be like um. He will be able to play golf. We can put him up in the old Playboy mansion. Oh, <laughs> Looking out the window and just drooling in sadness. Make him wear Playboy ears. Oh, that'd leave be cute. Out, leave Bunny him tail. out on the nine. Bunny tail. Like on the golf course in his wheelchair, just drooling. <laughs> I oh, I see man. a movie happening. I see <laughs> I see it. Or but let's or maybe we could do like like bring an out bring about a ma actual meaningful change. You yeah, know what I mean? Like great. I mean miracles do happen. I mean it's wrong. It's gonna bring about our destruction. <laughs> like yeah, it's absolutely. gotta change. I do exactly. Agree. This was a time for us to get up on our ass. Uh, seriously, this was a wake up call. Well, you know when it the all... apocalypse is upon us, I'm not so scared because I can totally 
uh, trap and murder pigeons and eat them because they're called squab. Four years. I'm not ready for oh, the world shit. to end. Yeah. Well, it's gonna be easy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know. I know. I know how to denature protein over heat, so I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. <laughs> what I can cook. Everyone else. You guys can come over to my hovel in the apocalypse. It won't even be a hovel. I'm going to take over the um, 19 or the 1886 building that's on Eddie and Van Ness. It's this beautiful three-story mansion that lawyers are there now, but they're all, they all live in Walnut Creek. So in the apocalypse, all the lawyers are going back to their house in Walnut Creek. That place is going to be empty. It's got roof access. It's beautiful. Oh, I totally called it. On California and Franklin? No, it's on Eddie and... um, and Van Ness. Oh. And it's this beautiful old yeah. mansion. It's all totally restored. It has exactly flocked wallpaper. Flocked so wallpaper. Like that oh, that is mine. So in the apocalypse, it, no more lawyers. <sighs> it's going to be my house. I'm going to be like, this is the house I've been waiting for my whole life. I'm going to have a pigeon coop on the top. I'm going to raise chickens in that backyard. And I'm going to have some sniper rifles. I'm going to get all my 30 year old friends that are boys just to fuck people up. You know what I'm By saying? The they like, got the guns. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. You're not too far away from the water. You can go fish. Right. Crap. Crabs, crabbing. Crabs, yeah. We can. We're gonna be fine. All right. Yeah. That's been the Ulta cast, everyone. Burn law books. Leaving on. We can burn law oh, books. That's what we can burn for fuel. Absolutely. Right. I can. Fuel. Well, if you get okay, so I'll quickly leave with this. If you took law books and you put them together and you got the pages wet and then you wrapped up a pigeon in it, you could just throw it straight on the fire and then bite. No, honestly. And the wet paper keeps it and it bakes basically in that. And then when you undo it because it was so hot, the feathers come off with the wrapping paper and then you just eat the meat. You can. Wow. Even leave the guts inside. Like I wouldn't eat the guts, but uh, you still could. You could leave right, the head on right, the whole sure. thing. It's very easy. Yeah. All right, apocalyptic ticks, <laughs> apocalyptic tricks by Pam Benjamin. This has been the AltaCast. Next up, some call me Tim with our special guest, Miss Ms. Zoe Mashi. Let me say it right. Uh, Hashimoto. Yay. Yay! I've been studying Japanese uh, all week too. So Hajide Mashide. Arigato gozaimasu. All right, see you guys next week. Bye, thank you. of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship 
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Looking for a personal injury lawyer in San Francisco, look no further than Francis J. Shaheda. Mr. Shaheda did an amazing job with my case. First, he informed the courts about my case that had not been scheduled or submitted yet, despite the language on the citation. I was so confused and afraid of the legal system, but he did it all for me. He communicated promptly via email with any of my questions. I was afraid of an enormous fine for a small infraction, as well as a criminal offense on my record, but he spoke to the DA to have my case removed from criminal court and put into the community court system. I am so overwhelmingly happy with the results he generated and would recommend him to anyone with legal issues. This is a personal first-person narrative because Francis J. Shaheda. Hey, everybody. We're just going to record something bizarre really quickly and don't mind us. Trina is smart. LaToya is smart. Trina is pretty. Latoya is pretty. In and Out Burger is delicious. Pam is high. Okay, so now we've got now we've got this thing here and then we plug this in and we just do this all live. La 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 la. Sorry, everybody. You know you love it, everybody. Come on. Come on. And then you bring this up. And then you go. And then you play it. So you go play back. And so you hear it. 
Katrina is smart. <laughs> okay, so we don't we don't have to do that. We'll just go to sound. Uh, we'll go to effects and we'll go to change pitch and speed oh, okay. and we'll change the pitch negative that way and we'll change the speed that way right. and we'll say okay and then we'll listen to it live and we'll see if it makes a difference. So it's thinking, thinking, thinking. Thanks for listening to today's AltaCast. Coming up next is Some Call Me Tim where we talk about religion and stuff. It should be fun if Ms. Zoe Hashimoto comes in and if she doesn't, I don't know what we'll do. I was going to do for hour two, I was going to talk about uh, you put your weed in there with uh, Jean Anselme Brillant Savarin uh, as I've been reading, again, the physiology of taste written in, published in 1826, but really written in the late 1700s. It took about 50, 40, 50 years to write the book. Uh, this is still, the pitch is changing here on the, oh, it just, it just closed down of its own volition. That's strange. Uh, we really just, we won't, we won't worry about that then now, will we? Uh, I mean, it just, it just closed down. It's like, oh, well, what happened? I don't know. Uh, well, we'll, uh, it doesn't matter because if the, uh, Amadeus Pro quit suddenly, we made it think too hard. So maybe use number three instead of number two. That might be the answer. All right. Back to the regular programming. Choke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> The Night Space brings you high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. Listen to San Francisco's finest underground comedians read crazy stories written by me, Arden, on The Night Space. The Night Space featuring high time story time every Wednesday night from 10 to midnight on Mutiny Radio. High Time Story Time Volume 1 now available on Amazon.com for Kindle and electronic download. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies 